The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Brett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. Hey, how are we doing today? Excited to be here for another episode. We're, we're getting back to our team-by-team analysis, so excited to get back to that now that our mock draft is over. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get started, we've gone a couple episodes without mentioning it, but if you could please give us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts, we would really appreciate it. Last I checked, we were at about 25 on Apple Podcasts, which is great, but we said 35 is the goal line to get another mailbag for you guys, and we love doing those. So take your time, get in there, give us some feedback, and we'd love to hear about it. We are excited to be joined today by my friend Div, who is a massive Hornets fan, and they are an extremely interesting team. We decided to wait a little bit, see some preseason games, and we've seen some preseason games, so we're excited to bring him on. Div, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, cannot complain. Let's talk about some Hornets. So the very first question we like to ask is, what does the rotation look like? And I think the Hornets are a great representation of that because they went out and signed Kelly Oubre this offseason and he went from playing a pretty big role on a Warriors team to now for sure being a backup and not only that but Miles Bridges has been starting some of these preseason games when he came off the bench last year so when everyone is healthy what do you think this rotation looks like I think the backcourt is relatively easy Um, you're gonna have LaMelo Ball starting and Terry Rozier next to him and the first two guys off the bench I think in all likelihood are going to be Ish Smith at the one and James Booknight, um, the new rookie at the two. So I think that's pretty straightforward. There hasn't really been anybody else who's been getting a significant number of minutes at the one or the two. I think it's possible that Kelly Oubre could be a little bit of a backup at, at shooting guard. Um, if you look at his profile over the past couple of years, Oubre has been Everywhere from the shooting guard to small forward to power forward, depending on the team he's on, depending on the role and depending on the opponent. Um, you know, so he can he can go to the two of book nights. Uh, not quite ready to do that. Gordon Hayward, uh, future Indiana Pacers legend. Gordon Hayward is. Uh, Stop it. Uh, Stop. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk it into existence someday. Um, but he, uh, you know, he can slide to the two as well. But honestly, at this point, he's gotten stronger and slower and so I think he's pretty much purely a forward uh, at this point so backcourt is relatively straightforward the really interesting question um, that I think determines everything else is uh, where does Miles Bridges play Um, it's looking more and more like he's going to be a starter this year Uh, James Borrego hasn't officially announced it um, but both in the first game this year when uh, Gordon Hayward was there Uh, Bridges started with him. And then the second game when Hayward was out because of protocols, um, Bridges still started in that situation as well. He started with uh, Cody Martin and PJ Washington alongside him um, because Miles Plumlee was out as well, or excuse me, Mason Plumlee was out as well. Um, Miles Plumlee was also out, but just for different reasons. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) DNP coach's decision. Right, exactly. Uh, Every coach he's ever had. Uh, So I, I think... What it's looking like more and more is Miles is going to have a starting role. 
So if you've got Hayward in the starting lineup when he's healthy and you've got Miles as well, then I think the last question really comes down to, do you start PJ Washington uh, at the five or do you start Plumlee? Um, and uh, Borrego's had this, um, he's had a tendency when he has youth in his starting lineup, he balances it with veterans. Um, he doesn't like to go super young in his starting lineup. And, you know, you look at the, um, the starts that Cody Zeller has gotten over the past few years. And, and until last year, Zeller was deserving uh, of those starting spots. He had a rougher time last year. But, um, but even when Zeller went out, um, there were times where he would pick Bismack Biombo instead of starting PJ at the five. Um, you know, much to my chagrin and the chagrin of, of most Hornets followers. Um, but it, he likes to have some, um, some veterans out there. So I, I think um, it'll be either Plumlee or Washington. I don't think it matters too much who starts there um, because I think pretty clearly the preference is to finish with PJ at the five. Um, you know, I, th I think in, in close games, he likes um, what PJ being at the five can do. Um, so I, I think that basically the, uh, the rotation is going to be one of PJ or Mason Plumlee starting the other one backing up, um, Bridges, Hayward and Ubre at the three and four. And then the four guys I mentioned before, uh, in the backward. That sounds pretty much spot on to what, you know, I have many thoughts as well. And I, I gotta be honest. I love this Hornets team. They're really young, really talented. It should be a lot of fun to watch. They're probably one of the top teams that I'm looking forward to seeing this year and seeing how they all gel together. And we have five players inside our top 100 dynasty ranks off this team. So it just goes to show the young talent that they do have. Um, and just the, the amount of skill that they have on this team. One player I do want to key on, I know you just talked extensively about him, is PJ Washington because we have him ranked somewhat highly um, based on what he can bring to the table, a potential one-one-one guy with a three steal and a block. He's gotten 30 minutes the past two seasons. Do you see him maintaining that 30-minute per game role, or do you see a slight dip due to uh, Plumlee being on this team as well as Bridges entering that starting lineup potentially? Yeah, I, I've been saying uh, on Twitter and elsewhere that I think PJ's – uh, consistency on defense is probably the single most important factor for this team this year. And I think it's also probably the single most important factor for how many minutes he's going to get. Um, if he, you know, he's shown glimpses, I think over the past couple of years that he can capably play both the four and the five. And if you've got somebody who gives you that sort of flexibility across those two positions and can do an adequate job at both, Obviously, that's incredibly valuable, um, you know, and that's something that every coach uh, wants to have, gives you a lot more lineup flexibility elsewhere. Um, the challenge has been that he hasn't necessarily shown both positions at the same time. Um, there have been times where he's been a really strong, um, uh, really strong forward defensively. There have been times where he's done a really good job in terms of rim protection at the five, but neither one of those has been super consistent. Um, so uh, the good news is, he looks like he's in a lot better shape this year than he was last year. Um, you know, it was an open secret that he didn't come to training camp in great shape last year. And I think that sort of put him behind the eight ball right from the get-go. Um, he seems in much better shape this year. He's getting up in the air a lot better and a lot quicker. So um, if that holds true, then I think 30 minutes for him is probably about right. Um, because I don't think... You know, when they signed Plumlee, um, I, I don't think the plan was let's give Mason Plumlee 25 to 30 minutes a game. I think it was 
uh, unless it's a um, a larger center that he's going up against and he's sort of overmatched. Uh, PJ is sort of overmatched by him. But generally speaking, I think, you know, you look around the league, there aren't that many um, offensive-minded centers who are, you know, seven feet, 260 pounds, um, you know, and, and can really put um, PJ in the basket. So uh, I, my expectation would be that Plumlee probably ends up in the 18 to 20 minute range. Um, and between both roles, Washington ends up right around the 30, 31, 32 that he was having uh, most of last year. Washington definitely seems at the five to be some sort of a matchup issue there, both for the Hornets perspective and for the team that they're playing's perspective. It just depends who the big is on the other side to determine whether PJ can take advantage of that or not. And that's kind of why I liked the Plumlee trade for the Hornets because they didn't give up very much to get it done, but it brings in another player who's smart and at this stage in his career isn't going to be upset if he ends up having to come off the bench because PJ Washington starts at the five and having PJ out there with all those guys, that's so much length, so much athleticism, so much smart basketball, passing score, like versatility across the board. And I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what Borrego does with that. Is there a player on this team that is going to surprise some people from a fantasy perspective or, or like an opportunity perspective, either good or bad. Obviously it will not be surprising when Hayward and it, it inevitably misses his 15 or so games when he's on the Hornets, right. not on the Pacers. He's not, he's not going to do that on the Pacers. Um, is there a player that's going to surprise everybody this year, either good or bad? Um, so, it, you know, this is uh, some of an obvious answer, but I, I really do believe that, there's a reasonable chance that Miles Bridges hits another level this year. Um, so for folks who are not uh, as familiar with the Hornets, um, Bridges had a really promising rookie year, a disastrous second year um, where he just seemed to regress in everything and um, seemed, uh, you know, especially on defense, but, but also offensively, he just, um, you know, didn't seem in the flow of it um, and, and looked sort of like a high athleticism, low IQ type of player. Then you get to last year, his third season, and every single dimension his game improved in. Uh, you know, he was just a better player last year in every single way. Um, and what he's shown through two preseason games this year is looking like an extension and a continuation of that. And I think the most exciting thing that I've seen from Bridges at the end of last year going into the preseason this year is that he can now make decisions on the weak side. So LaMelo starts an action with somebody else uh, on the strong side. The ball gets kicked uh, over to the weak side. And Bridges now is not just a standstill shooter. He can make decisions. He had a great play um, uh, that Brian Geisinger on uh, on Twitter highlighted um, really well, where he made a really quick decision, a great drive um, that led to a layup at, uh, at the basket. Um, he's showing a lot more of that than he showed in his first two seasons. So, you know, I think the thing with Bridges could be he gives you the, the potential with him this year is that he gives you um, a reasonable number of points. He plays enough of the four to give you uh, give you rebounds and he starts to pick up in terms of the assists and the and the defensive metrics as well. Like, I think that's that's really in in play at this point. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is going to depend on who he's playing with. Um, but there's just an aggressiveness with him and a, and a comfort level with him that really wasn't there the first two years. And that's great to hear because we know the athletic specimen that Miles Bridges is. 
So that's yeah. good to hear that everything else is coming together for him. Um, and he's carrying enough last season over into this year. Let's uh, let's talk about some of these young players, uh, maybe the guys that aren't going to be in the rotation right away, um, but still have a lot of value to us dynasty players. And and that's first and foremost, James Booknight, somebody that by all accounts was a top 10 talent in the draft. We, you know, we heard him going as high as uh, five or six in this draft, and he fell outside the top 10 and the Hornets definitely did a good job snatching him up at 11. Do you see him playing a, a major role on this team, a, a six-man type role, or, or I guess kind of what? Where do you see him fitting in with this group? Yeah, I um, my initial thought when uh, the Hornets drafted him was, okay, he probably spends one season, maybe two seasons, being the Energizer Bunny uh, off the bench. Um, you know, uh, bringing his athleticism and the you know, all the things he can do in such a fluid way. Um, the guy has just exceptional body control. Um, so he's not super huge. Uh, you, you look at him, he, he looks, uh, you know, fairly small uh, by, um, by NBA wing standards, but he is uh, long, he's really athletic, and he just contorts his body in all of these ways to get shots off, uh, you know, at the rim and, and from mid-range. Um, so... I looked at all of that and I thought, you know, there's a little bit of a young Malik Monk there. Um, you know, Monk was also came into the league kind of as a, a skinny, smaller guy. Um, he came in with more of a shooting rep, though it didn't really manifest in Charlotte until last year. Um, Book Knight comes in as sort of uh, an average shooter, but somebody who can just get buckets. Um, you know, I think that's sort of the perception. So um, what I found interesting is, um, even before Kelly Oubre got hurt, it seemed like Borrego already trusted Booknight at least as much, if not more, than, than Oubre. And the really interesting thing is it seemed like Booknight was picking up the playbook better than Oubre. Now, Oubre hasn't always had the reputation of being the highest IQ player, um, so I guess I shouldn't be that surprised um, by that part. But he is a veteran, and Booknight isn't. Um, but they've been letting Booknight... Uh, really have the ball in his hands a lot with the second unit, which has kind of surprised me. And, you know, the game against Memphis, I mean, pretty much everything went wrong for the Hornets um, two nights ago against Memphis. Um, but Booknight still ends up with 17, uh, four rebounds and no turnovers uh, in that game as well. He was doing a really good job controlling the ball. Um, he plays a little bit out of control. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to see some of that. But I think it's entirely possible that he's the clear sixth man on the team, you know, by a month or two into the season. It surprised me to hear that Ish Smith would be one of the guys to immediately get opportunity off the bench because of what it seems like Book Knight can do with the ball in his hands and how many other ball handlers you have. Like, you know, Hayward's capable of running an offense and being that sort of point guard. And with how many wings you guys have, like Oubre, P.J. Washington potentially coming off the bench, Miles Bridges, even into the Jalen McDaniels side of things, I thought that Book Knight might get pushed into that point role a little bit more. But he's he's done some great things, and you're absolutely right that we shouldn't really be surprised about Ubre not picking up the playbook as much if the Warriors decided to not keep him around because of that reason. Yeah. So a guy who might be able to even – I doubt he usurps Kelly Ubre because the contracts just don't line up for that. But I'm a big fan of Jalen McDaniels. Can you talk about him a little bit and stuff you've seen from him during preseason and, and maybe even last year some flashes that – may be encouraging moving forward. Yeah, uh, you and me both. Uh, I, I've i been a big McDaniels fan. Um, you, you know, I think he's one of these guys who's like, 
10% away from, uh, from being NBA level at a bunch of different skills. Yes. But given how much improvement he's shown, you know, you look back to his time in college through, through now, like the progression has been there sort of year after year. And I don't want to be the team that gives up on the guy too early, lets him go for basically nothing, you know, and then he suddenly pops when he has a more defined role uh, on another team. But as you said, uh, a team that already has uh, Bridges, uh, Hayward and obviously Hayward's under a huge contract. Bridges is up for an extension, um, you know, and he seems to clearly be a part of the long-term future now. Um, and then you've got Ubre who just came in, and he's not on a long-term deal. They can get out of it after a year uh, fairly easily, but they did really want him this year. Um, that seems to crowd the picture a little bit for McDaniel's. I think the challenge for McDaniel's is just what role does he play on offense? Um, you know, Borrego's preferred offensive style, and this is a lot of why PJ ends up at the five quite a bit, is to start with five guys out and all five of them have optionality. All five of them can drive, all of them can shoot, all of them can pass, you know, and, and you can get more of a motion offense going there and a lot less predictable offense. Um, McDaniel is kind of a one or two trick pony. He's a okay passer. And he's a decent three-point shooter. Uh, sometimes the shot looks really good, sometimes not so much. Um, I don't think he's terrible at it. But it's it, there just isn't that much else juice to his offensive game. Whereas on the defensive side, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He'll, he'll do a little bit of everything. And, you know, that's a nice glue there. So I can see a path to McDaniels having 10 minutes a night. I don't know how he gets to more than that unless something like a Hayward injury happens, you know, or, or a Bridges injury that, you know, might open up uh, more space for him, but he just kind of feels a little bit like the odd man out right now. Yeah. Jalen McDaniel's not a guy I really looked at too much in, in, until the end of last year, essentially when he was kind of thrusted into uh, some playing time. So good to hear a, a little bit more about him. Last guy, I know we're kind of pressed for time here. Like we can't end without talking about one of Red's boys coming out of the draft this year, a guy I know he's been trying to acquire in certain leagues. Why would you Kai tell Jones. everybody in the leagues about that? <laughs> I just, Man, I had to, that I price had to throw just it went up there. already. I give up. <laughs> but you know who that is? It's, it's Kai Jones, and I'm yeah. a Big 12 guy. I'm a, I was a huge fan of Kai Jones coming out of college. I thought he was a potential top 10 pick this year. Uh, just a little bit raw. He actually came off the bench for Texas most of the season. But, man, I love Texas big men. They take some time to develop it up. Yep. But, man, they they really develop in this league. He's super athletic. Just looks like he has all the tools to be a star in this league if, if he can put it together. Um, do you feel he'll have any role with this team? Do you see him playing more G League? Or, or kind of what, what do you think his role could be potentially this year early on and towards the end of the season? Yeah, I think um... – I think the most likely role for him is that he's a G League guy most of the season. But I think there's two ways that a spot could open up for him. Um, one is, uh, obviously, if, some, if something happens to Plumlee, or frankly, if Plumlee just doesn't seem playable anymore. You know, he's, uh, Plumlee's always been a pretty athletic, uh, bouncy center. And as he starts to lose that a little bit, you know, it may be tougher for him to hold on to, um, to rotation minutes there. So if that were to happen... Um, that would be one way that I think it might open up. And I think the other way might be um, if he is just a ball of energy in the minutes that he's out there during preseason and, and in the G league, it may just be impossible to keep him off because, you know, 
Um, I, I've described him to people as like, he only has two things going for him. One is that he's super intelligent and, and hardworking, which is, which is great. And the other one is that the minute he steps on an NBA court, I think he's one of the five to 10 most athletic big men in the league. I mean, it's like athletic doesn't even do him justice. He's just a crazy athlete in every dimension, you know, speed, jumping ability, just everything, uh, lateral, you know, he's just unbelievable. Um, and he, he could make a ton of mistakes and still be worth rostering on the Hornets roster this year just because of his ability to come in and just wreak havoc for, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um, Borrego tends to be more conservative with his big men in terms of making mistakes than he is with other uh, positions where he'll often let guys ride a little bit more. So I'm my hunch is that he stays in the G League most of the season. Um, but if he is able to come up, I mean, like they're going to be they're going to be dunks and blocks right away. Like I, I think that's you know pretty much guaranteed. Just everything we've seen from him, um, you know, indicates that he's able to to provide those two things, um, you know, in the short term. Kai yeah, is a guy I thought the Hornets were for sure going to get. I just didn't expect it. I thought it was going to be at eleven, not so later in the draft. Yep. I, I to be honest, I I was higher on Kai than I was on Book Night. Um, you, you know, and I, I get the idea of Book Night. But Kai, to me, just seemed like, okay, you're building around LaMelo Ball. Like, this is the type of big man prospect you would want to give to LaMelo Ball, right? Um, so I, I, I'm super bullish on his future. Um, we'll just have to see sort of how long it takes to get there. I think his value was already going up when he pretty much retired. Uh, Ken Free there in that summer league. Yeah. <laughs> <And that> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, there's not much you could do about that right after that play. No, absolutely yeah. not. There's no yeah. chance I was getting him. No, I am really excited to see what Kai does. And I, I think for those of you that are out there in shallower dynasty leagues, like 12 team, Kai Jones should be rostered. But if he's not, go out there and get him. You just have to be patient because he will play in the G League. But there's a very good chance that Plumlee, like if the Hornets somehow don't meet expectations as far as making the playoffs and being good, Plumlee could take a back seat and Kai Jones could end up getting into the rotation very, very easily. It could go from PJ Washington starting at the five straight to Kai Jones off the bench. I, I can see that happening. And Div, I, I see you shaking your head. So I know you agree like that. You're absolutely right. That's the guy you want to put around the mellow. And I just, I bought league pass specifically to be able to watch the Hornets all year, because I was like, if there's one team I want to watch, it's the Pacers, but the second team is the Bulls, <laughs> and the third team is going to be the Hornets because they are just an extremely exciting team that has a pretty clear identity and direction for where they want to go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you look at this team and all the moves they've made over the past 24 months, it is obvious to anybody who looks at it, they are building around length, athleticism, and passing, right? that That is like the entire recipe of what they're trying to do. Um, Kai Jones just seems like whether it happens this year or not, to me, is almost immaterial, but long-term, like I can't see a way he doesn't end up playing a major role on this team, but assuming that he doesn't, you know, have some bad injury or anything like that. Absolutely. Well, Div, we really appreciate you coming on. We will probably have you on multiple times this year to try and figure out what the heck this wing rotation looks like for the Hornets as they try to figure things out. Where can people find you? And do you have anything that you're working on that you need to talk about? 
Yeah, uh, you can find me at StatCenter, S-T-A-T-C-E-N-T-E-R. I'm on Twitter and posting every once in a while, uh, both about the Hornets and about the NBA in general. So anything else that I'm doing, you'll learn about it there. We really, really appreciate it. Could not be more excited to watch this team this season. Next up, we have the Raptors, so stay tuned. And now we're here to talk about the Toronto Raptors. And I could not be more excited to be joined by Brendan Hodgins, host of the Hoop Ball Raptors podcast. Brendan, how are you doing today? Oh, not so bad. How are you now? Cannot complain. We are very excited to talk about some basketball. And I just got done watching your Toronto Raptors play. And so I watched OG Ananobi continue his all-star campaign, which I'm sure you are very, very excited about. Oh, very much so. Um, I, you know, last year I said uh, to the other guys that I thought that he was the MVP of the Raptors, uh, just based on what he does both sides of the court. And if you are uh, betting guys, I would say that he's the smart money for most improved player this year. So uh, you can get it at 25 to one odds in some places. Go do that. Yeah, I'm definitely a betting guy. So I might have to look into that. Trav's going to be out of commission the rest of the podcast, <laughs> uh, putting those bets on everywhere he can. So. I'll be back in 15. On that note, every year with uh, Ananobi, since he kind of you know broke onto the scene, his numbers go up, but his percentages go up with it. Like they tend to stay pretty even. Uh, like last year, he saw uh, shot forty-eight uh, percent field goal percentage, but he had fifteen point nine points. Forty-eight is his career average. Like he's a very consistent uh, efficiency guy. So definitely, as his volume goes up, got to jump on. Yeah, without a doubt, which leads us into one of our more important questions for this episode. Because the Raptors are such a deep team, but also a team that may not have a clear direction at the moment, we want to talk to you about what that rotation looks like because it seems like Goran Dragic is not long for this team. You've got a bunch of wings, but you also have a bunch of injuries. So you could talk about early season, what the rotation might look like, some guys that might get a early opportunity, but then also if everyone is healthy, what do you think that team is going to look like? Well, if everyone's healthy, so we'll say we're talking early November when it's expected that Siakam will be back. You're probably looking at your starting lineup of, uh, you know, Fred Van Fleet and um, Gary Trent Jr. at your one-two. And then three will be a mixture of whether it's Scotty Barnes uh, at that point will probably have taken over the role, but it could, it depends on how big they want to go. So it's either going to be Scotty Barnes or OG. And then you have uh, Siakam at your four. And right now it might be precious starting over Cam Birch at the five based on how he's played in the preseason. I love to hear that because precious is a player. I know a lot of people were high on last year uh, when he was with the heat. And then it seemed to be, um, a, a player that the Raptors were really keen on with that Lowry trade and somebody they were really excited to get. Uh, do you see um, Precious starting at that five, or do you think he's more useful off the bench to play the four and the five behind Siakam and Birch, um, kind of in that Boucher role and, and splitting time with him off the bench? Yeah, I definitely think they want Boucher coming off the bench. That's where he's kind of played his best, where he kind of comes in and cleans up off the floor. He's, you know, he's as tall as most fives in the league, but he is not built like five. So I don't expect him to get many minutes there. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be sort of similar to what you're going to see in Boston, where I think Ken Birch is going to be the starter 
and everything, but we're like, he'll, he'll, he'll start on the court at the beginning of the game, but we'll split minutes between him and, uh, uh, and precious much like Orford and uh, Robert Williams. And if the bigs in Toronto can have any sort of fantasy impact like the bigs in Boston might, then that'll be a heck of a season for your Raptors. So let's talk about the guards a little bit, a guy that Travis and I were very, very curious to see what he did in the preseason. And then obviously what he's going to do early season as well is Malachi Flynn, simply because when you guys took Scotty Barnes, it was like, whoa, either they really believe in Scotty or they really believe in Malachi. And I guess it could be a combination of both. So what sort of opportunity do you think Malachi Flynn is going to get, or do you think it's not going to be that high because Dragic is still on the roster? Well, well, Malachi had a rough kind of beginning to the preseason year. He didn't, uh, he didn't get a lot of playing time. And when he did, he didn't get much going on, but the game that just happened, he actually had a fairly good one and he hit the buzzer beater at the end, which is always a uh, good for confidence. Um, I'm thinking with Malachi Flynn is that he's going to be a kind of mix between replacing uh, the one and the two, where Scotty Barnes is more going to be a two and a three. Like I can see him coming in and spelling OG and OB at times. Or if we go a small ball lineup, uh, he'll just start at the three. OG will be at the four and uh, Siakam at the five. But Malachi will get time in there. I think this is his season to prove whether or not he's going to be the replacement at the point guard position. Like you said earlier, I don't think Dragic is going to be here for that long. They're going to definitely give him some time because, you know, you might as well. He's got a lot of, got a lot of experience. There's a lot of minutes to go around. But uh, I'm expecting Malachi to come in and kind of lead the bench uh, minutes. And, you know, tight in a little bit with Scotty Barnes doing that as well. But I see Scotty mostly following in and it'll be. It'll definitely be interesting to see how that shakes out early on because and this is a team that had four players inside the top 50 last year. I know there were some injuries involved with that as well, but uh, they have a lot of players with really steady, stable roles. Um, going off of that, do you see any players on this team that you feel are going to be either surprising in a good way or a bad way um, in terms of, from a fantasy perspective, maybe a player that you feel is uh, really going to improve um, or somebody that you think is going to be a letdown for us? Uh, fantasy players well i already kind of went through with og ananobi i think uh, he's probably looking at a very large increase as far as usage goes early on with no siakam there uh like he had a 19 percent usage last year and that i can easily see going up to 25 uh every year he gets a little bit more but that's kind of the easy answer there it's surprising in the sense that i don't think anybody really expects that he's going to be a 25 point a game player but he might be um the one that I think that people are really overlooking with everything that happened in the last little bit here with the trade and the draft is uh, Gary Trent Jr. He, uh, he's only 22 years old. He's actually younger than Malachi Flynn. He's had very little time with the Raptors last year as far as the development squad goes. Um, this time he had a full offseason. He's had a full set of practices. He's been working with the coaches. We've seen him put up 40 to 50 points a game before. I think uh, with a little bit of time, through the development squad. He's coming from a, a team where it was shoot first and ask questions later. This one is going to, he's going to be set up a little bit better. There's going to be a little bit more, uh, you know, him getting to the corners. And when he actually sets up and takes his jumpers, he pretty lights out. He had three steals today. He's also good at that. Um, I'm thinking you could definitely get him in the late rounds and he would be a very good 
uh, addition to any fantasy team as far as surprising goes. Yeah, for sure. He's a player that is just really interesting to me because he could get a ton of opportunity on the Raptors. They paid him to do so, but also like the type of player he is may not mesh as well with what that team likes to do. So let's, you, you've brought up Scotty Barnes a little bit. I want to talk about him more. Is he all, does he already seem like he's worth breaking into that top four when it seemed like it was going to be solid as, as far as Suggs going for? Yes. The reason why, and I think it, Extends a little bit farther than what he's going to be producing, but like today he had a very Scotty Barnes line. He had three steals, one block, 10 points, couple of assists, few boards. And that's what I think you're going to expect seeing directly from him. But where I think his importance comes about as well is on the defensive end, it's always kind of seemed like it was OG's responsibility to lock down the best player on the other team, no matter what position that they played. Now you have another guy who's a plus defender behind him who's expected to kind of be like baby OG, which opens up OG to do a little bit more on the offensive side. So basically it just expands the way you can operate your offense if, you know, defense first leading to offense, essentially. And I think that he's going to be the the second cornerstone behind OG in doing that. And and you know what, Siakam was improving in that when he was uh, near the end of last year as well. So you have a bunch of very versatile wings that can guard any kind of position. Then you uh, the fast break, which is what the Raptors like to do, steals, blocks, moving it down the court. Yeah, that's good to hear the the OG hype is real. Uh, that was my biggest concern with OG was just that usage. Can he get it up to, um, as you mentioned, that 25% usage rate? Uh, and, and the hype is is just out of control this year, preseason going in. So uh, if you can get OG, good luck. I know it's, it's going to be tough to, for us to go out there and try and trade for him. Um, his, his ADP is just on the rise currently. When you talk about Dragic, what do you think a potential destination for him is? Is it going to be a buyout or do you think there's going to be any sort of trade candidates? Like, is there anything you're hearing that might be worthwhile to note for this, the team itself and for anybody who might own Dragic? Well, he said earlier on that he wanted to go to the West Coast. Um, we'll see how what the market is there. And the thing is, is like injuries are really going to decide where someone like Roger goes on other teams. Um, they're going to hang on to him until the deadline, I would expect, because they don't really... I, Everything that has come out of the front office for the Raptors is basically said, this is a development year. All the players are saying the things like, hey, we're here to win. We want to win in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I'm thinking they hold on to him until at least the trade deadline. If they can't get something done, then yeah, they'll buy him out. And we'll just move on. This team is just its going to be really interesting yeah. how it shakes out, at least early on with, with that depth chart, especially with, with, like you mentioned, Malachi Flynn. I know we talked about him already, but man, when when that Kyle Lowry trade went down and that they drafted Barnes at the four this year in the draft, I really thought Malachi Flynn's stock went way up because of that. Um, so I'm hoping he can get some playing time and they're either as the one or even the two next to, to FVV. I think uh, the two players that are probably most tied together are him and Gary Trent Jr. If, uh, if Gary, you know, has a rough beginning of the year and, Flynn plays a little bit better. I think that's where he's going to gain his minutes because FEV is going to get his time. And 
it's either, it's either going to be the one or the two where he fits in, right? And right now they have Gary Trent Jr. starting. If he uh, flounders a little bit, that's just going to be Flynn gathering up that, that playing time. So. And this team's done an excellent job at player development. So I would definitely expect to see improvement in all those players that they had last year and going into this year. Yeah, which is definitely something the Raptors have always prided themselves on. It's the development squad uh, and, you know, picking up diamonds players that uh, can actually, you know, make a difference in your team, whether it's just 10 minutes uh, a game. One guy that doesn't also doesn't get talked about that I wanted to mention is a speed metallic. Um, he's looked pretty good in the preseason here so far. Uh, he's going to get minutes, whether it's at the wing or at uh, the one or the two. So that's definitely somebody you should keep an eye on to see uh, how much he actually eats into some of the other guys. Yeah, I watched him have a great steal and then a pretty sweet up and under during preseason. So I'm going to be jumping him way up the dynasty rankings as we speak. Um, <laughs> it's it's really it, – he, he has been playing quite a bit, though, so it's going to be interesting to see if that continues or if that's more of a casualty of guys like Pascal Siakam being out. Brendan, thank you very much for your time. I know that we've been planning this for a little while, and I'm glad we finally got to do it. Tell everybody where they can find you and what you might be working on that we need to be sure to check out. Absolutely. Uh, if you're looking to see what I'm saying online, you can follow me on Twitter at Brendan Hodgins. That's at Brendan Hodgins, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-H-O-D-G-I-N-S. Uh, and you can find out what I'm saying on the uh Hoopball Raptors podcast. That's the Toronto Hoopball Raptors podcast. We are going to be getting into uh, kind of like the end of preseason, getting into season rotation, kind of like what we were talking about here, but a little bit more in depth with some of the uh, end of the bench players. And uh, we're really excited for the season. Well, awesome. Thank you very much for joining us today. And thank you very much to you, the listener, for joining us as well. I hope you're enjoying these team recaps. And hopefully you checked out our 12-team mock draft and the article that will be coming out here in the next couple of days. Thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you again next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.